0: Hi, this is Eric Roberts from Worship Band Builder, and today you're going to be listening in to a live session that I taught in my Propel Worship Leadership Seminar in 2011. Now, this segment is called Removing Roadblocks, and we're going to cover everything from producing to being ready, preparing for rehearsals, having effective rehearsals, and even my special run sheets that I create for my band and that have made my job a lot easier. Now, being a worship leader and leading a team, whether you're a full time, part time, or vocational, or just a volunteer, helping out can be extremely stressful. I've learned over many years that it's the little things that count. And as you implement some of the things that you learn in these sessions, you will be able to get out of the stress and have more success that's what we want, right? We want to lead worship successfully. We want to lead people to sing. And at the end of the day, we want to go home and have peace. We don't want to lay in bed at night, rolling back and forth, wondering what's going to happen or how this is going to go, or who's upset with us, or what band is working or not working, or what part of the sound system isn't going to work on Sunday. Well, the good news is you can lead a stress-free, successful worship ministry, and part of it is just about removing the little roadblocks. Let's listen in. All right, so as a worship leader, I've spent a lot of time figuring out what not to do (laughs) and uh, struggling with my teams and myself and hating getting up and going to practice or hating going back to church because I had to do all this stuff or... uh, under-preparing, and then suffering because of it. Okay, I've, I've spent a lot of time doing that. I started when I was 17. And I thought I was really smart back then. <clears throat> and I had really good mentors. But even though uh, through the several churches I've been in, and uh, different, uh, I spent a lot of time serving, uh, what's that called, volunteering? Turn. Volunteering. Yeah, I spent a lot of time volunteering for full-time positions. Um, and so I had other jobs and stuff, too. So, But I see a lot of people struggling in worship ministry. I have a lot of friends, and not all my friends struggle, but I, I see, uh, you know, when you walk into somebody's other, other, you're, you're struggling in your own ministry, fine. You're already struggling. You're banned this or that, and you're always, your sound system's broken, your mics are whatever, you're, you, you got somebody mad at you that you cut out of the team. Somebody left the church and your pastor yelled at you because you told him something or whatever. You know, there's all kinds of drama that happens in church. And then you walk into your other, uh, your friend's ministry area and you're like, wow, they're doing this kind of weird or my friend seems really uptight today because I can see why because he didn't do this at practice. So when you start to see other people struggling in ministry, it's easy to see what they're doing and then... When your wife just tells you stuff like, well, you, the reason why you're mad about that is because you did this. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, I did. I totally you know, I totally killed that myself. So I wanted to do a little bit of a section on removing the roadblocks from our lives, from our ministry teams, from our bands, because then we're much happier. The more roadblocks I, the older I got, the more roadblocks I removed, the happier I got. So we're going to talk about The biggest roadblock, what would you guys think the biggest roadblock is? Anybody? Some of you, maybe, have you ever found any like, ginormous roadblocks? It's roadblocks of ministry, worship ministry? Or? Yeah, yeah. Reaching your goals, succeeding with your band. It's too loud. The salt music's too loud? <laughs> That's a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) People are complaining at me all the time. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. That's a roadblock. People are are definitely roadblocks. Um, Well, I think the biggest roadblock is under preparation. And I think that, like, all of that stuff that you guys said can be dominated by preparation. And it's like, it's too loud. Okay, well, according to my SPL meter and all the people that we've talked to in the other 10 churches, we're actually two dB lower in level, you know, so we're, we're not hurting your ears. You know, if you prepare yourself, uh, people that don't want <clears throat> to do the right thing, usually when, you, when you're building a strong team, you're auditioning up front, you're preparing all the way along, people that are difficult will be weeded out Or they'll just say, well, we don't know why we do this, but we do because Allie's amazing. I mean, she just everything she does just seems to work. Once you are prepared, people will start to not be as difficult. When you go into a team and say, well, I think I'm about to do this. I'm not sure. I'm probably going to do this. You know, I've been thinking about doing this, but I don't know. I'm not really sure. Why don't we just do something? You're bound to fail. I mean, I've done that. I've learned in my teams sometimes, don't even tell them what you're thinking about doing. And don't even act like you might not know what you're thinking, you know, even if you don't know for sure what you're doing. Don't act like you don't know what you're doing. You don't want to open the door for too much of that. That's sort of the thing that you were saying, Ali. People don't want to do what you want to do. Um, it's kind of hard to um, you know, get the train moving in the other direction when it's already going like 80 miles an hour in one direction. And that's as a leader where, you, where I think we need to be super prepared and moving, you know, like chugging along on our path and dragging those people behind us as a leader until you know, maybe they're the one that starts flaming the fire. But the roadblock of under-preparation is it includes like training, sound systems, sound system bugs, setup, scheduling, charts, song selection, production notes, practice agendas, service orders, knowing your plan before your team arrives. Know your plan before your team arrives. Don't let them make your plan. Don't let them guide your plan. I mean, it just causes too many problems, you know? What is that? Too many cooks spoiled I I don't even know this. It's a good saying, though. Too many cooks spoiled my chicken sandwich. In this section, though, we're going to talk about pre-rehearsal. There's four things. Pre-rehearsal preparation, rehearsals, band and tech service orders, which are fun, and removing roadblocks, okay? So let's just go down the line, because I think I have a half hour, right? I have till what, 3 o'clock, 2.30? Okay, about 15, 20 minutes. So let's talk about this and just make sure, I think all this is in your book, but let's go through. Pre-rehearsal preparation, and this is what you should do. You should be having your pre-rehearsal preparation like majorly finished. You should have your song lists, your CDs, remember your CDs are going to go out to your band about a month ahead of time or maybe a quarter ahead of time. You're going to have your charts already written in the Nashville number system if you if you take you know if you think that's something your team can do and if and if it's not you know it took several years to get to get everybody on board with that for me it's not going to be like ten minutes it's going to be years but once you create this team you know so that was kind of how do you get people to do it time and maybe in the beginning I would do like two charts with chords and two charts with numbers and make them real easy and I I would gauge how I was I was learning it too at the time so I would gauge how I felt comfortable. And just moving the team along with you. You know, don't give like, all right, we're switching to the number system. Here's nine charts and numbers. You know, they'll hate you. You know, I would do like the song you know really well, like Blessed Be Your Name. Do that numbers one week and give it to them. Half of them aren't even looking at the music anymore anyway. And so you just kind of sneak it in with them. Sneak it in one at a time. Yeah, I'd tell them, let's let's turn this chart into numbers together. And then they'd go, oh. You, you just have to take time and kind of indoctrinate yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So think of everything prior. Stage set up, this is being early, being on time, having the sound system on, having your stage set up, having your charts ready on their music stands. I like to sometimes have my charts on their stands already. I'm a, a, I baby my band. I go in, I set up their stuff and like tweak everything for them and set their tones up and tune their guitars. Sometimes whatever I could do that would make that rehearsal go smooth. If I knew that so-and-so always messes with this, I'd go mess with it first before they even got there. And so I just would baby them and make sure that when they got to practice everything and, and then, you know, I wouldn't do that all the time, but I'm just saying if, if, uh, if there were a few other band members that I wanted to do something with, they would come in and maybe we'd Fix the drums, or you know, not every musician is going to be that detailed as you are. So you can go around and you kind of raise the level, prep, prepare the service. You know, um, you know if their monitors are messed up, sometimes I'd pre-mix their Avion units or pre-mix their monitors. So. I know they're going to have like a decent monitor mix just to start with. Remove obstacles. Remove everything from them. They're getting off work at 5.30, 6.00. They're coming here at 6.30. they probably just 8.00. Maybe, you know, they just got in a fight with their wife or their kids are yelling at them. I want the car keys. I need here. Yeah, so you, you got to just know they're coming in. You want to make sure everything's going well for them. Make sure that you're ready to go. Um, do not, you can't be making copies, uh, you know, at, and I do this. I'm, I've done all this. I'm making copies at 7.10. Practice starts at 7.00. I'm making copies at 710. Now, does that sound prepared, like pr- being prepared? Not really. I've done that before. I used to do it all the time. It's like if you're not really on top of this as a person, as a worship leader, as a leader, you will end up making copies at 710, and your band's in there goofing around. That's what happens. Now, I'm not saying I did it all the time, but... and. The older I got and the better I got, the less that happened, and the more I realized, wow, when I don't have to do that, it's really better. Or when it happened every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I remember why I hated this. But when you're, when, when you're in this, you just need to know everything needs to happen before they get there. So anything I'm saying don't do, I've probably already done it. You know? So don't make copies at 710 for your 7 o'clock rehearsal. But then the, the, the copier breaks at 710, and then you like, need one more copy. Uh, I mean, you know, you just, it's frustrating. So just make sure everything's done. I felt the most peace when, it was like when the set was picked and the copies were made like two three weeks prior. And they are sitting on my desk. Actually, they'd be sitting in a file week after week for two or three weeks, and it's like, that's all the sets right there. They're already done. Just batch those, those tasks, over-prepare there, and then as a worship leader, you have all these other things. Who no, no worship leader wants to be in front of the copier for like three hours, you know? So um, before rehearsal starts, set up your stage, map out your songs, write your transitions, put in your tempo markings, production notes for your plan for each song. And this can happen the day before, the week before, whatever. But I'm talking about serious over-preparation. Make sure your stage is set up. Song maps, I'm talking about... We're going to sing this song, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, bridge, two-time tag, end. We're going to sing it at 90 beats per minute. All of that's already in your head. I've been to too many practices myself. The band's like, all right, what key is this in? I'm like, I don't know, I'm thinking G. I am thinking G. Oh no D. No, let's do C. I mean, we, we can do that. You know, All of us can do that. We will do that. But let's strive not to do that. That's the idea. I mean, not to do that. No, I've done that. I've done that. Oh, I don't know, maybe 90 beats per minute. No, that seems slow. Let's do 120. So when you get too comfortable, sometimes you underprepare And then you realize you're in front of your team. And luckily, I've had a lot of respect from the teams I've led. But if you don't have that, they will eat you alive right there on stage. Done. I mean, I've had some strong team members that have just eaten my lunch every rehearsal. Like one chord was wrong this chord's wrong right here, uh, this tempo's off by two clicks, okay, that's supposed to be a major, minor, seven, over to diminished, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that you've, I've dealt with, and you have to, if you don't go, nope, I, I wrote that there on purpose, I know I want, that's going to be my new arrangement, I'm going to do a minor there instead of a major, that was purpose, you know, these, and I'm not saying you have these people on your team, but I know they're out there, I, I know they're, I'm, I'm sure they are, you know, Because, I mean, I kicked them off my team, and they probably joined your church. (laughs) (laughs) What I found out when I had some difficult team members is the more I prepared, then they were like, oh, okay, okay, fine, whatever. They might not have liked me or liked my arrangement, but they couldn't say much because it was already done. It wasn't like, well, Ben, I'm thinking about doing a little outro on this song. Well, let me go ahead and tell you what I'd do. I'd do this or that. Oh, I'd play it like this, and then... And then we can do this, and then all of a sudden, like, you're an hour in, and you're still talking to two or three of your team members, start talking back. They're, you're not in charge of that anymore. That's just, that's just a mess. That's, that's average worship band practice, though, I'm going to say. That's probably average. I'd like to see more of here's the chord chart. It's in G. It's at 120. Let's start it off with the guitar and the bass, and on the fourth measure, the drum beat's going to start, and then we're going to have the vocalist come in on the third chorus. You mean we gotta wait till the third chorus? Yeah, we're doing that on purpose, so it's a build. We want to build that in so all the vocalists come in on the third chorus. You know, that would be what I'm talking about, song mapping, you know, and, and production notes for each song. And not it don't always have to be that structured, but you're gonna know your guys and you're gonna know that some of them you need a little more uh, producing. Okay, so I want you to use that tone on the guitar, and hey keys, I want you to lay out until the third, you know, until the second verse. If not, what does a worship band do? They all come in, they get a chord chart, and the chord chart says real big, play as loud as you can. That's all they see. They don't see the chords or anything. They might see the first chord, and then the rest of it just looks like, play as loud and as often as you can. And they all just start playing, you know, and then they are like, you know, you're not happy with that. You don't, that can't be pleasing to you. So as a leader, I think that's where we struggle. We just don't know what we want first, and we don't communicate it enough clearly. So when we do that we lose, all these obstacles start to fall away. The roadblocks just start opening up. So make sure you have those transitions written. Hey, between these two songs, I want the drums to start. And so, you know, for me, it was sitting in my office alone, listening through the, playing through the songs and just making sure that this transition is going to happen like this. I will tell you that I didn't do this all the time. And when you get to a place where you're respected and trusted and your team members understand your brain, Then you can go to practice one day with no transitions written and say, hey guys, I was thinking today we'll just write the transitions. I don't have anything, so let's just do it, you know. There there comes a time in every team where you can do those kind of things. Hey guys, I here's the tempos and the charts, but you know, I didn't have time this week to write transitions or I wouldn't say that, I'd probably say, I'd rather I'd rather if we just like used our creativity to write some really cool transitions together. And then go, hey, you know, so-and-so, how would you transition? You think we should do drums? Yeah, good idea. Okay, let's do the drums. And then you write it down. So I would say as you grow your teams, you don't always have to be so, you know, like so prepared. But why not be over-prepared? That's the question you should ask. When you're looking at your set, are the important things prepared, like overly prepared? So when you go in there, nobody's going to be, you know, getting, getting on your nerves. So, guys... I already know a lot of people who don't do this stuff, and I've been an, I've been a guest, like worship leader, guitar player for some of my friends recently, and, and you know, in the last couple of years, I already know that they don't do this, and it's 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 tough. Like, write a write a chart correctly, and just make sure the chords are right. And I've done it too. It's all wrong, you know. Maybe you didn't even play it; you just printed it off the internet. Do you guys do that? Don't do that. Don't even answer that. Uh, you print the chart off the internet and take it to your band make 20 copies and give it to your band or 10 copies and then everybody starts saying i think this is a wrong chord over this and that. you know we all do i've done that but it really hurts your band it hurts you as a leader you're never going to get really efficient so play the song once you look on the internet i don't know what sites you use but if you're going to print it play it privately first before you copy it and just write on it just Cross that note out and write that note. And, cross, and Fix it. You don't want to be in front of the band in the third verse and all of a sudden the chords are wrong, right? You get, you get my point. Have correct charts. Have correct keys. Have backup vocal sheets. Guitar parts and tab sheets for your guitar players. Anything that can help them. And so vocal, like for me, what I used to do, I don't like my background singers. Backup vocalists singing on everything I sing on. I hate that. I can't stand it. Listen to the radio. It's not, it's not even reality. You know, the worship leader's singing and then the vocalists sing like, on the chorus or on the bridge, and there's like one here or there, but a lot of people just start singing. So I direct my vocalist very specifically with highlighters on their sheet music. Personally, I highlight here's where you're singing. That's it, right there. and know, it might only be like four lines, the whole song, but and it's you know it's it's producing the song. I want you to sing on these parts. You know, it's like. So, we do that. I do that with everybody, and sometimes I would even write. uh, I have some examples, okay? So, let's move on from the pre rehearsal prep. (coughs) Effective rehearsals. We're going to talk about effective rehearsals. I'll give you my two cents. I found it very successful in my ministry to not hold my vocal and band rehearsals at the same time, okay? And you figure it out yourself, however, you got to do it. Uh, I would use. It frustrates my my vocalist, they can't hear themselves. It frustrates the band. I like to hold my band rehearsal separate. I actually separate the entities. This is my worship band, these are my worship vocalists. They don't rehearse together, sometimes not even until Sunday morning when they get on stage. At one point, that was the only time they sang together was on Sunday morning. So Wednesday, at six o'clock, I'd rehearse my vocalist. They'd go home at 7.30, my band would come in, we'd practice till nine. So then you have your vocalist, tight, you have your band tight, and when they come together on Sunday morning, they run through it. Why do they need each other? They don't, really, to rehearse. Yeah. They don't need to rehearse together. Now, this is, this could be, this is way different, because most people don't teach this stuff. They don't tell you this. I mean, maybe if you get to worship leader school, they might do this. I don't know. I made this up after being frustrated. I'm singing my band. They're up there. They're playing. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, play this guitar riff like this. So the vocalist is back there sitting around. <laughs> You know, and then they're just sitting there for hours. And then, and then they're like, hey, should I sing harmony on that? Can I hear that harmony? I don't know that harmony. So I'm like, OK, vocalist, and I'm coaching them. And then the guitar players or the bass player needs something, I'm coaching. Them. It's like back and forth. It's really uh, confusing. I would never think it was a great way to rehearse. So I like to have my vocalist around a piano. I like to work out the parts. I like to tell them, no, you're singing flat, you're singing sharp, whatever. Let them blend, hear each other. And then sometimes, because some of my vocalists felt a little left out, I'd let them come to rehearsal with the band and stand in the back. I would not talk to them, would not engage them, but they could sing along with me. It was not their time, you know what I mean? And so they got to sing along, but they did not get to like ask questions or talk or make up stuff for the band or whatever. The band would play, and with me, I'm pretty laid back with my band. I like to just have fun. I like to be laid back. I don't like to be all rigid. I find that if you separate the vocalist, you can do that with your band. They're usually for me, you know, they're the guys I like to be around them, and we just kind of hang out. We play the parts, and we don't feel pressure of a whole group of vocalists like looming over us. Are we going to learn our parts or what? You know, because they they need to hear their parts. You know, so I've I've figured out that that. So I had a um, six o'clock vocalist, seven o'clock band sound check, and seven fifteen the band rehearsals, and the vocals could sing along if they wanted to. Okay, and we had some just small conversation about. Um, including the vocalist, but not necessarily making it um, a part of the main band practice, because you definitely need time to practice with the band, and the vocalists definitely need time to practice together uh, where they can hear themselves and get their harmonies right. So work it out in your team, uh, however it works for your team, your vocalist, your band, but just make sure that you have um, a situation where you can train your band and train your vocalist separately. You know, sometimes vocalists will feel left out if they are not allowed to or you tell them, you know, that you're not going to come to practice. So I have a solution for that as well. Yeah, if I, if I have a vocalist that, if I'm a vocalist and I'm trying to do vocal rehearsal and all I hear is the drums and the bass, I'm annoyed. I, I wouldn't even want to rehearse with the band. I'd want to get my part, and then I'd want to play with the band. So let them say, it. if they if they feel that way, say, come on, come on into practice. And It might be long and boring because I'm not going to attend to you all the time, but you can be there. That's the other thing I say for, like, musicians who are new. You can let them come to rehearsal and play in the back or whatever, but don't let them, like, really engage you or cause you to have, like, too much to say to them because you're trying to rehearse your band. I, I guess just putting up uh, what you're doing. Let's move on to... And that's kind of a big, think that through in your head. What, would it make our team better if I rehearsed separately? Even if you rehearsed separately and then at the end of the night got together. You know, like half an hour of vocal rehearsal, hour and a half band practice, and then at the end maybe you ran through it all. You know, I mean, think through what works for your team, what works for your parents, what works for your church schedule, what works for whoever's involved, and say, how would that help us? And maybe even if you're going to stay all together, maybe say, hey, vocalist, I'd like to do an extra 20-minute rehearsal every week that's just right before band practice. Because then you might you might iron out all the, the things that they always want to iron out anyway, and then the practice would be better for you. My idea is streamline, streamline, streamline. My practice, is if if God is on my side is only like an hour, you know, or less. I don't want to be there for like three or four hours. I get I get worn out. <clears throat> so I I would say the the next thing I'll probably finish this section on is this is the best thing that I can show you that this is my band service order it's page 62 and 63 now 62 is a a generic order that i pulled from one service that i used a long time ago 63 is actually the the service order that i had on the floor today that i used for my set today Uh, so the band service order this is how i write it and it, it literally looks like that so it looks I mean, it's on the floor. It's right there. This is what I was looking at today. And that's why I used to look at it every Sunday. It's what I like to look at, because what do I need to know about this is the song needs to be big. I know what's coming. The key is on the right hand margin. I have it kind of marked out there for you. The tempo is there on the right hand margin. Um, the elements of the service, like announcements or a video, I put in a little box or something. You see how I've kind of made it a little visual. And the, the, the best, better thing about this is it's so visual you can read it from, like, you know, six feet away. And you don't have to squint down and look at it. And you can just throw it on the floor or wherever. It's not in the way of your music. The people don't notice it's laying on the floor or whatever. And then it, it has all these secret notes in it, like, in the secret, page 62. And the left margin is, every, is really who starts the song. So clicks, then Eric, then Daryl, then all. So that's, that was our production. Like, I'm going to come in. Then my guitar player was going to come in and then all the whole band was coming in. That's just a little reminder. So by Sunday, they don't forget, oh, that's how we start the song. The clicks start it and then Eric does it. And then, you know, "Mighty to save was hi-hats and Daryl. So that was just saying we're going to do hi-hats and have Daryl start the song. So you see how easy it is to even make a really easy production. You can write this order before rehearsal and rehearsal is easy. You don't have to tell everybody, do all this stuff. And it's in this key. All the questions that I get bombarded with at rehearsal from like nine band members, it's over now. I'm like, here it is right there. It's on the sheet. It makes rehearsals really easy. And then everybody else can write on that list whatever they want to write. They can write paragraphs of stuff down there if they want to take notes for themselves. They can take it home. They can study it. They can practice. It's easy to write. I like to write in pencil. I do not like to type it out. Type is too small for me. And I like to doodle. So I'm a doodler. I love this method. Um... If I'm going to pray or read a Bible verse, I put it right there. Okay, in the live seminar, my band was coming up. We were getting ready to do some transitions, but this following short section is just a list of things that I have for you to consider if you want to keep a strong team, keep and grow a strong team. Listen to these. The following things will greatly affect your ability to lead an excellent team. Okay? If you want an excellent team, do not do these things. These are things that... That will basically destroy your ability to be a good, strong team. Not enough prep time. Using your time with them poorly, goofing around, not having a communication of a clear and a clear vision of the future. This is sort of some of the things I jotted down. Not enough practice time together or alone. A lot of times you have to encourage that. If you have poor confidence, if you don't understand your team's ability, your team will never rise. You have to know, look, I'm not gonna get like Emily was saying earlier, don't give them a song that's like got. 7-4 drum beats and all this weird stuff that sounds good from Lincoln Brewster. He's got a song that's like really awesome, but I would never bring it to my team. Even though they're very skilled, I would never want to put that on them because I just think that's just way too hard. We're not going to do that right now. So you have to know their ability, not just yours, but a clear vision of their ability gives you the ability to lead a strong team. If you don't have enough communication, if you don't have enough training, if you have poor confidence as a leader, those things will destroy your, those are roadblocks in in you that you need to get out. Uh, If you have poor equipment, if your team members are goofing around and they're not dedicated, if you have too many songs to learn, if you have too many technical distractions, sound issues, um, if you don't have enough lead time to learn new music, and if you don't have enough musicians. These are all things that are roadblocks, so I want you to identify those in your team and say, I need to, like you say, measure and grow into a better team. Well, I hope now you can see that there are certain things that will derail you and cause you to have extra stress. And when you address those things and when you are intentional about removing roadblocks, you can have successful worship ministry and be very effective and also have joy and happiness. So I'm praying for you that you will be able to identify some of these things in your ministry now and move forward by removing those roadblocks. If you have any questions or you'd like to talk to me, you can always get me at worshiptheking.com and click on contact. I am praying for you and God bless.